Welcome to Money Matters Podcast, where we strive to educate and empower you to make smart choices with your money. We believe people don't typically plan to fail. They simply fail to plan. Here are your hosts, Mike and Matt. Well, we'd like to welcome everybody today to Money Matters. This is a podcast that we're provided by Golden Wealth Solutions. I'm here with my co-partner, Matt Cloutier. My name welcome. is Mike Cloutier. Matt, how are you doing? Doing, doing very good, Mike. Better than, uh, better than I deserve. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So that's good to hear. So um, jumping right into our podcast, for those of you that are first-time listeners, we've done several podcasts uh, before this, talking yes. about the real basic concepts or foundation pieces of financial planning. We uh, start out with the first one, why should you choose a financial advisor? Why would you work with a financial planner? That was a good one. Um, yeah. The second one was on cash flow management, uh, eliminating unsecured debt. Uh, the third one was talking about having the proper risk management in place. That is another term for insurance planning. Insurance, And then also yes. another topic on the need for really just about everybody today that's um, an adult to plan and uh, prepare for long-term care. Today, we're really pleased to have a special guest with us today um, that's going to be talking about a really important and probably the last topic of our foundation planning, which is on estate planning and why and what not only why you need estate planning, but what type of documents and several um, pieces that are going to tie to this. So Raquin Young, Raquin is a, a very young, uh, uh, not to tie that in with her last name, Raquin Young, but she's a very young, up and coming, wonderful <laughs> estate planning attorney here in Golden that uh, we've known for quite a few years. So uh, Raquin's a soul practitioner attorney in Golden. She's licensed in both Florida and Colorado. Uh, her practice focuses on estate planning, probate, small business law. Raquin serves on the boards. I think she serves on every board in Golden, but uh, she serves on the Golden Chamber of Commerce, the Golden Young Professionals, Leadership Golden Program, Women's Estate Planning Council, and also serves on the Governance Committee for the B Golden Program. Hopefully I said that right. Um, I don't know how to find time for anything else, Raquin, but um, we are very pleased to have you today. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be talking about estate planning and the importance of estate planning. I it's is like passion of mine. So um, I'm going to try to you know not you know go into the weeds too much because I could talk for days and days about this stuff. But I, I will try to just talk uh, touch on some some important topics. And if, uh, if you need any further information on some of the stuff I'm talking about, I'll, uh, we'll give you my contact information at the end. Um, so I'll start out with uh, kind of some uh, basic estate planning vehicles, documents that you should have in place. We have the medical and financial powers of attorney. Basically what those are is you designated agent to make medical and financial decisions on your behalf when, uh, whenever you are not able to do so for yourself. Another vehicle document that it's very, it's something I always say, if you do nothing else, do a living will, uh, because that is a document that designates and informs your loved ones how you want to be treated at 
end of that that end of life stage of your life. Uh, so it's been determined you have, are in a vegetative state, you have a terminal condition. How do you wanna be treated at that stage of your life? And just providing guidance to loved ones in that very difficult time <laughs> is incredibly important. And it just allows avoidance of any conflict and you know confusion with your loved ones on that kind of uh, stage of your life. So then we're going into the two main vehicles for estate planning, wills and revocable living trusts. So wills, most people are familiar with wills. They designate who you want to receive your assets at the time of your death, and they designate who you want to be responsible for distributing and administering your estate at the time of your death. And wills sometimes, but not always have to go through probate. Probate is a court proceeding where after someone passes, the will is is given to the court and the probate system is used to make sure that creditors are paid prior to any uh, beneficiaries receiving distributions from the estate, just to make sure that creditors get paid, then the beneficiaries get paid out of the remainder of the estate. Colorado, we're fortunate. The probate system, pretty streamlined, pretty simple, not a big deal. If we were in California, it's it's very complicated. It's a whole nother story. We're fortunate in Colorado to have a, a pretty streamlined probate system. I've the other vehicle. The, I've heard the state. Does this is it true that the state provides a will for for folks too, or is that inaccurate? So it's not so much a will, but they provide, it's called an intestate succession statute. So if you don't have a will, the state has a succession determined for who will receive your assets. So first it goes to your spouse, your kids, you, you know, your brother, your siblings, it's all laid out for you. So if you don't have a will, then the state has determined already for you where your assets are going to go. And it's oh, wow. according to statute. So, and that goes through the probate system as okay. well. Uh, potentially. Uh, so, then we have the revocable living trust and the revocable living trust is something that you establish while you're alive and you retitle your assets into the name of the trust. So essentially you don't own anything because the trust owns everything. So when you pass away, there's no change in ownership because the trust owns everything. So this is how you avoid probate because there's no need to change ownership of assets. So that is the biggest benefit to the revocable living trust is to avoid probate. But like I said, Colorado probate system isn't that big of a deal. And retitling assets into the name of a trust, it's it's a cumbersome process. And uh, sometimes people forget to title an asset in the name of the trust, and then they end up going through probate anyways. So another benefit to the revocable living trust is, uh, is that you can create terms within that trust that designate how you want your assets to be distributed. 
Almost so, like instructions beyond beyond the grave, huh? Yes. So, oh. so one thing I'll get to in a second, but so one thing that so a revocable living trust, let's say you don't want every your child to inherit everything at age 21, because at age 21 is the age of majority in Colorado when a minor becomes, you know, an adult and they can inherit. Mm. If I were 21 and I started inheriting everything, I would, I, 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 that would be the worst <laughs> thing for me. So a revocable living trust can create terms where, you know, the child gets so much at age 21, they get so much at age 35, they get, they can really structure how to distribute those assets and what those assets can be used for. What some people don't understand is that a will can also do this and it's called a testamentary trust. So you can do a lot of the same things that a revocable trust can do in a will using a testamentary trust. The difference is the testamentary trust goes into effect at your death and the revocable living trust, it, it, it's created while you're alive, but most of the terms, they, they still just go into effect at your death. So gotcha. the real benefit of a revocable living trust versus a will is the avoidance of probate because you are retitling assets into the name of the trust. So you can do a lot with a will that you can do with the revocable living trust. Mm -hmm. So that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, one uh-huh. What one piece sometimes I hear clients asking people about probate is you had mentioned creditors, but it's kind of a privacy issue too. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That's the second benefit to a revocable living trust. Wills are lodged with the public office. They are public record. People can request a copy of the will. Revocable living trusts are private documents and they can remain private. It's usually often used with like celebrities use a lot of trust or maybe you have like a, you know, contentious family situation and you just don't want mm. your family members to know the specifics of your estate plan. That's a good time to use a revocable living trust. That makes as well. a lot of sense. Right. Mm hmm. Um, one quick question. We talk about just the basic estate plannings, and I know revocable living trusts can get a lot more in depth, but I'm sure that, you know, uh, people listening can reach out to you on if that's necessary. Because I know there's a lot of fallacy out there about, you know, some attorneys say you don't need one, some attorneys say you do. But when it, when it comes down to the estate planning, what I found, and you probably see it as well, is that I think for Matt and I, in our careers, we've seen that so many people don't have any estate planning documents done. Mm, yes. um, and even though the will, I think a lot of young people who probably don't have children don't think they need to do estate planning. Talk a little bit about incapacity. So, what, you know, if a person's in a car accident and they're laid up in the hospital, maybe for a long period of time, or I think we've all seen it with COVID, people that are in comas now and this whole COVID thing that came about and how that comes into play. And really for even that part, uh, two questions, I guess, one, incapacity and why the estate planning documents are so important to have in place for that. And two, and that probably is going to lead you into a conversation you're already going to talk about, but guardianship for minor children and how that all plays out, especially with beneficiary designations. Yes. Yes. So that, so the, uh, 
a revocable living trust is also beneficial for that purpose because that's something a will a will goes into place at your death. While you're alive, it's it's just kind of sitting there. Revocable living trust is you're alive. It's you can put provisions in there for incapacitation treatment. So you can mm. say, I want this person to be responsible for such and such if I become inca- incapacitated. That's another benefit to the revocable living trust. And then those other documents that I mentioned previously, you know, the medical power of attorney, you know, having an agent in place as well. And then guardianship designation is really what most parents worry about if something happens to me. So that can be designated in a, you can do that in a, I've done it in a separate document. Someone wasn't, you know, I've had couples where they're just not willing to commit to a full estate plan. So they do a separate guardianship designation document and we can do that. Pretty simple document, or it can be incorporated into your estate plan. And that's, incredibly important because who takes care of your kids if something happens to you? I'm sure every parent out there wants to have a say in that. Absolutely. Yes. And then just one quick note on uh, if you have a child or loved one who you believe may be reliant on government benefits now or in the future, you have to be very careful with your estate plan because you don't want to do something that would allow them to become ineligible for those government benefits. So you need something like a special needs trust. And those are very complicated, very specific. You need to get with an attorney and make sure it's done correctly because you don't want your loved one to lose out on government benefits because of just some mistaken estate plan that could have been easily avoided. Uh, I, I've seen that before, and it's it's sad. You're, so, you're, um, you're talking about the uh, like Medicaid or CHIP kids that are eligible for those type of benefits. And to another topic, you wouldn't want a family member to gift dollars to that child, and then, like you had mentioned, maybe they become ineligible for their health insurance or for their for their state benefits, right? Exactly. Yes. So, wow. if you have a special need, someone who you believe may they may be relying on government benefits, you need to have a serious conversation with an attorney. So on the topic of trust, I do meet with clients who think that these trusts are just like these magical vehicles that protect them from everything. And uh, that's not true. Uh, they It's really probate avoidance and, you know, it, Planning for incapacitation and privacy are really the, the big three things that differentiate differentiate them from a will. Some people think that, oh, if I have a trust, then creditors can't, a revocable living trust, because there's all kinds of trust out there, a revocable living trust, the creditor can't come after my assets in a trust. That's not true. Mm. So that's a myth. We can just, we can just get rid of that one. And then they also think that like trusts have a lot of tax protection, <laughs> tax avoidance capabilities. And that's sort of true, but it's in limited circumstances. 
This leads me to talk about the estate tax exemption, which is a huge topic right now. We've had a change in administration. So whenever that happens, got a new president, we don't know what's going to happen tax-wise, right? Yeah, it's fairly large right now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's the, uh, since the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, it's the largest it's ever been significantly. So uh, when that went into effect, I'm using rough numbers. It was around $11 million from uh, $11 million. It was $6 million, jumped to $11 million, and then $12 million for married couples to $22 million for married couples. So right now it's $11 million, $22 million for a married couple. So we're talking a big tax exemption. This is set to sunset at the end of 2025. Then it will go back to $6 million for an individual, $12 million for a married couple. Assuming nothing happens in the meantime, we have a new administration, who knows what's gonna happen with taxes. So far, it looks like that's what's going to happen. So trusts can, just to quickly so we can move on to the next topic, trusts can be used in limited circumstances to avoid the, the revocable living trust can be used in certain circumstances to avoid the estate tax. But the exemption is so high, often doesn't apply. If you did an old estate plan when the exemption was low, you need to revisit it because Mm. the estate tax exemption, the amount of really does affect what your estate plan should look like. One thing that does provide creditor protection and is a good vehicle for avoidance of estate taxes is called an ILID, the Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust. We can talk about that at, a, at another time. Just know that that's out there and, and it is a good vehicle for creditor protection and avoidance of estate taxes. So next I want to talk about, you know, we, we, we've talked about probate and, you know, it's a court proceeding and, you know, there's a difference between probate assets and non-probate assets. Probate assets is basically anything that's owned in your name only. And so there's a lot of stuff that aren't probate assets. And those are things like joint ownership. So if I, so I own my condo with my fiance, we own it jointly. If something happens to me, it's jointly with right of survivorship. Something happens to me, it just automatically goes to my fiance. It doesn't go through probate. Hmm. You have beneficiary designations. I have a bank account. It's my name's the only one on the bank account, but I have a pay on death designation. So anything happens to me, it automatically goes to the beneficiary named on that pay on death designation. My fiance doesn't go through probate. Vehicles, transfer on death. It automatically, you know, I can fill out this form. It's super easy, get it notarized. Vehicle automatically transfers to my fiance. So there's a lot of things that you can do that keep your assets out of the probate system. Another one is that a lot of people don't know about is a beneficiary deed. So let's say I own a house and it's only in my name and I know who I I, I want my, I don't have any kids, but let's say I did. I want my daughter to have this house when I die. 
one page form. I fill out this beneficiary designation. I file it with the court because if it's not filed, it's no good. File it with the court automatically at my death, goes to my daughter, doesn't go through the probate system. So there's a lot of things you can do that can keep things out of the probate system. But you also need to be careful with beneficiary designations because let's say you have a life insurance policy, which I know Golden Most Solutions does, you know, you work with this day in and day out. You sure, have a yeah. life insurance policy, you have a designate, you have a beneficiary designated on that, right? Your beneficiary is often you I see, and I'm sure you guys see this too. You have it, your spouse is the first beneficiary named. Contingent beneficiary is the kids. The kid's five years old. Kid can't can't inherit that because the kid is not 21 years old. The age of inheritance is 21 in Colorado. So what you need to do instead is you need to create a trust, either a revocable living trust, if that's appropriate for you, or a will with a testamentary trust depending on which vehicle you want to use for your estate plan. And you use the name of the trust to be the contingent beneficiary. And the trust would be administered by the trustee on behalf of the minor child that you want to inherit. So main point there is don't put your kids, if they're under 21, as a beneficiary on anything create a trust and that's and it's not too difficult to do create a trust have that trust be the beneficiary and then that trust will take it and take it for and the trustee will administer it on behalf of the beneficiary your child just a comment too on our side you know in my 34 years of doing you know planning for clients i think one of the things we see is you know kind of what you just said you know you have somebody who had a 401k 10 years ago uh, they put their spouse down as a beneficiary. They put their, maybe even added their minor children, like you just mentioned. And the problem with having beneficiaries all over the place, because we accumulate assets as we get older, right? You three and four life insurance policies. You have maybe three or four different 401ks from different employers. And every one of them had a beneficiary designation. And people tend to forget to change those beneficiary designations because they trump their will. So if they got divorced in the meantime and never changed their 401k, Unfortunately, that person that was named as beneficiary, if they're still alive, is going to receive that money. It could be the ex-spouse. So really important, I think, you know, tying this all together, why I think, again, it's important even for younger people to have have the proper estate planning documents in place and then tie the beneficiaries to those estate planning documents, right, so that it doesn't conflict with the documents that are in place. Right, yes. You made a really good point. Whatever your beneficiary designations are, they trump the will. So your will could say whatever it wants, but the beneficiary designations will trump. There is a caveat to that. Any sort of Colorado policy that you have with a beneficiary designation that has an ex-spouse on it, you are protected there. But if you have a federal policy, it'll go to your ex-spouse. So Colorado fortunately has the protection. Federal, no, it's going to your ex-spouse. Uh, so I want to move on to the gifting part because there's a, with this new sort of concern about the lowering of the estate tax exemption, people are trying to figure out how to 
get assets, you know, give assets away and avoid taxes. We're all like, no one wants to pay taxes. So here's some options. Right now, everyone can give $15,000 to an individual every calendar year. And so I could give $15,000 to my anyone. I could give $15,000 to my brother. I could give $15,000 to my friend. I could give $15,000 to my cousin. Just doesn't have to be related to me. Each person I can give $15,000 to. Do I have to record all those gifts then too? Or if, if it's, if it's, it's, if it doesn't exceed $15,000, no. Nothing. Wow. That's yeah. Which is great. So I know people have used this for uh, one of my friends was trying to help her, his daughter pay off a mortgage and he just gave $15,000 to, to his daughter and his daughter's husband and, and then 15,000 to his daughter's husband. So it was $30,000 mm. pay off the mortgage. So that's current, but things could change. You also have a lifetime gift exemption, which right now is roughly $11 million. Again, that could change. But if you're if you exceed that $15,000 in a calendar year, you do have to file something with the IRS and it chips away at that lifetime exemption. So just be aware that that right now it's so high that, you know, a lot of people are giving away uh, funds, eating away at their lifetime exemption because it is it's the highest it's ever been. So that's another option. But uh, something that you have to consider with that is that you want to give away stuff like cash or stuff that already has a high basis. Like if you just bought a house then uh, that that would be something to give, that would be okay to give away. But if you bought a house 20 years ago when it was worth $100,000 and you give it away as part of your lifetime exemption, the person that you give it to takes the basis that you have. It, you don't get a step up in basis. So they're going to wow. have to pay cap gains like based on that $100,000, because now Colorado properties, it's probably worth like $400,000 now. So just be careful on what you're giving away. Give away stuff like cash, or if you just brought property, be careful yes. with that basis. And then another thing is if you want to give away uh, money for education, you can give unlimited no tax, but you have to give it directly to the educational institution for for you know to avoid any tax gift taxing situation. Same with medical bills, have to give it directly unlimited. Give you can give as much as you want, but it has to go directly to the medical facility. One thing that I want to I, I know I've been talking so fast I guess, and I just have so much to say and I want to say so much more and I just get so excited about this stuff. But one thing I just really want to emphasize more than anything is talk to your fiduciaries, talk to your family, talk to the people that could potentially be the guardians of your children. Make sure that they're willing to take on that responsibility if something happens to you. Make sure that the, your fiduciaries know what's involved and they agree to be responsible if it comes to that. Second thing you have to do is you have to have a team of advisors. I have an accountant that I call every other day. I, I'm pretty sure she hates me, but I need her. <laughs> 
And it's so important. I talk to Mike Herman. I talk to Matt. You know, I get their advice all the time because we can't be knowledgeable about everything. Mm. And there's so so many pieces to this. I have a banker I talk to all the time. There's there's so much stuff that we need to know. And there's so many pieces to this. And just if one of the pieces is missing, the whole thing kind of just gets screwed up. And this, you're talking about your family, or you're talking about your loved ones. So this this is so important. So just get a team in place. And then you have peace of mind. And peace of mind is worth so much. So that's just my my last kind of like soapbox thing is you got to do that. Get your team together, talk to your loved ones, talk to your fiduciaries. I couldn't agree more. You know, from our standpoint, it's, it is always about having a good qualified team around you because, you know, I can't do your work. You can't do our work. We both can't do the CPA's work. You know, it's a matter of having a good lender. If you're going to borrow money, a good banker, a good CPA, a good attorney, a good estate planning attorney. When I mean attorney, I mean legal attorney if you need one. I know you know a lot of people who, I think certain people who have rental properties, we see a lot more people having real estate in their portfolios and they probably should consider having those properties in an LLC. That's a whole topic for another conversation maybe we can have with you. But that really is an important piece. And you really brought up a good thing about really talking to the family. I think a lot of people have a hard time with this. I think sometimes the parents have a hard time communicating with the kids for whatever reason could be reasons that they don't want the kids to know, or, you know, who knows, right? There's lots of different communication issues, but I think it is important to try and have those discussions, how people go about it. That's, that's really the $90 million question, right? It's a, it's just not a topic. People like to sit down at the supper table and talk about death and what happens if we die or what happens if we get in a car accident? It's like, Oh mom, man, we don't want, God, don't talk about that. So it kind of gets swept underneath the rug, but you did bring up some really good points. You know, Rack, when you you really brought up a lot of information, and I know, like me and probably Matt, uh, we could go on for hours talking about this. Um, I think I though, today, <laughs> I know our listeners probably don't want to be on here for an hour, but there's a lot of information to this, a lot of great information you provided today, and this gets gets even bigger and deeper. So. Can you kind of give us uh, the ability, how, how do people reach out to you? And is there anything that you have that people could reach out to you to get to kind of give them some education and knowledge to get started on this? And then do you charge if somebody comes in and chats with you via Zoom or phone for just that initial meeting to see if it's a fit for you? So I'll kind of turn that over to you, Dan, wrap up the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, so I'm available. I'm very accessible. I answer all my phone calls. I'm kind of a control freak. So I'm trying to let go, but (laughs) (laughs) I answer my calls. I talk to people. I don't charge for consoles. We could talk, you know, for obviously I could talk for hours about this stuff. I, I know no one really wants to, but we can talk as long as we want. My consults are free. The best way to get in contact with me is via email. Uh, but a, a phone call is just because, you know, then I have it on my calendar and it's easy for me to keep track of my schedule. 
Uh, and then, or, but you can always call me. Mike, do you want me to just share my phone number and email address? Why don't you share your email address? And then we'll also let people know that they can reach out to Matt or I, if they need to get in contact with you, we can also forward their information. What is your email address? Okay. It's R young at young golden.com. Yeah. My consults are free. Uh, and even if just something pops up that you're concerned about, I don't mind, you know, helping out. I, I like talking about stuff. Obviously. That's great. That's awesome. You know, uh, maybe what we can do Raquin is in essence of time with the podcast is maybe we can break, you know, depending upon what type of input we get from the podcast today, maybe break some of these topics out into individual topics and just really, you know, share some, some real life experiences and stuff. Mm -hmm. So people can get that picture of why, why it's important. We'll kind of look at that. So I really want to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Um, Again, for those of you who are listening, uh, we had four podcasts already previously to this kind of outlining the foundation planning for your financial planning. Uh, We hope you try to listen to those. They're posted on various different resources. If you want to find out where they're at or how to get to them, you can always reach out to Taylor Morton in our office. Uh, She can direct you. But I I just really had a great time today. It was really, I always enjoyed listening to you. You've spoke at many of our events and uh, spoke to a lot of uh, people in our public. You've helped a numerous amount of our clients out and they all love you. And so I think that's a great piece too. So again, thank you for your time today. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we look forward to hearing from you on our Money Matters podcast that wraps up today. Thank you for attending. This podcast is for educational purposes only and may include references to concepts that have legal and or tax implications and is not to be construed as legal or tax advice. Such information and or opinions are subject to change without notice and is not intended as an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sell of any security, insurance product, or offer of any individual advice. Any strategy discussed may not be suitable for everyone. Securities America Incorporated does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional regarding your personal situation prior to making any financial decisions. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors Incorporated, Golden Wealth Solutions, and Securities America are separate entities.